Welcome in Braves Today. Bravestoday.com is where you can find us. He is Lindsey Crosby. I am Ben Taylor. Lindsey, he proved to be an all-star, finally, in my opinion. And that goes for Austin Riley, who had a heck of a series. Even though the Braves dropped two series in a row, he is one shining star that came out of this. Oh my goodness. So we we talked about Marcel May, right? We talked about Michael Harris Jr., Yes. We got to find some sort of pun for Austin Riley because entering the series, he wasn't doing great. His batting average was under 200 in the last 10 games. Mm. It was under, I think, 225 in the last 30. But uh, just four home runs in the series, 11 RBIs, really kind of shows you like when his swing is on and he's able to cr- you know crush fastballs. This is what Austin Riley can do for you and. I love how the the win in game three was because you saw Matt Olson, who has gotten much better about the strikeouts. He was mm. 0 for 5 with four walks and a run in the first two games. He hits back-to-back home runs in the seventh and eighth innings. And that is like those two guys, that's the difference in Atlanta winning and losing this game. It went from a perfect game for Zach Gallen to... Atlanta wins the game in about two or three innings, and that's mm-hmm. all because of those two guys just launching balls out of the park. I give RCA a little credit. Uh, he had a fairly decent game in game one, uh, and then uh, he had a couple of hits there, and then he had a couple of hits uh, a little bit later on in the series. He's the one that broke up the perfect game. What a way to break it up as well, to hit a bomb. Uh, they got out of there really fast, and uh, thank goodness it stayed fair. And then, then I got a little worried is we got a little late in that game because they bounced back, but the Braves still prove they, – they prove – and I guess that's the frustrating part is because we've been so used to – you've said it the best, is you've said that they're never out of it. Even if they're four runs down, they don't seem out of the ball game. And during the high-scoring game in game one, that was one of those where after the first and second inning, you kind of thought that's where it clicked in, oh, it's going to be one of those days. Like we're just going to see who scores – the most and who comes out on top at the end of the day because pitching has apparently decided not to show up for either team and hitting has, so that's where we are. And then game two, they just were on the verge of being right on the edge of taking that game and winning it and had opportunities. They just couldn't, besides Riley, nobody else really did anything. Acuna had a couple of hits. He had a fairly decent series. Uh, Nothing that just was uh, all-star worthy like Riley and Olsen were, especially in game three, but uh, I I think Braves fans have got to realize sometimes the ball's just not going to go the Braves way. That's a great way to put it. It's like, we don't like to think about this, but luck plays a bigger role in some of this than than we'd like to think about. So in game three, when you're watching Zach Gallen have a perfect game into the sixth inning, when Orlando Arcia hits that home run, that was the 10th hard hit ball by Atlanta. Like StatCast defines that, 95 miles an hour or higher. Atlanta mm-hmm. had nine of those before that, no hits, because every single one of them either went foul, was uh, was caught by a defender. I mean, it's luck plays a role in this. And mm-hmm. it, it felt like Atlanta wasn't getting a lot of the breaks in that game one, in that game two. And then it finally happened today. They started, once they broke the seal on Zach Gallen, the next five hitters collectively hit for the cycle. They had a home run, they had a triple, a single, and a double. And so it's like, when luck is in is neutral, it feels like, mm-hmm. Atlanta can go out and outscore anybody. It, it takes 
the combination of poor pitching performances, which game one, you saw uh, another early exit from Bryce Elder. Uh, poor pitching performances, bad luck, all kind of combining. That's what it took to take down Atlanta in games one and two. Also, and as much as I have bragged about Olsen and what he did from the plate, and especially how he he stood out in game three, he had a couple of mistakes. One, uh, letting a ball go off the tip of his glove on a pickoff move. Uh, um, I mean, that um, Murphy threw from home on a strikeout, uh, running us to third. That run ended up scoring. Another one goes off the tip of his glove in the field, where Ozzy probably makes that play if he doesn't even dive and go for it. He probably needs to let Ozzy make that play. Ball gets by Ozzy, run scores, ends up being the difference in a ball game in game two. Just little things that you talked about luck, because that's one of those things where I think Olsen would even tell you, I just wasn't concentrating. I didn't look it all the way in either time. Uh, actually, I think there was a third time as well. And uh, yeah, the pickoff move where uh, they went for and it went off the tip of his glove and he was trying to go ahead and make the throw before he caught the ball. So that was the third, the third time that he that he messed up. But I mean, what do you say? That's not a guy. He's a he's I mean, he's not a brave veteran, but he's still a veteran. You can't sit him down and go this. You're just making stupid mistakes. He knows it. He's well aware of it. Yeah, I think a lot of it. It, it was like Olsen struggled like that, but a lot of guys kind of had some little mental lapses. And I think it was something where maybe they're pressing a little too much. I'm thinking about Michael Harris right after Orlando Arcia's home run. Michael Harris hits a double and then he tries to steal third. And yep. he gets duped on Zach Gallon's uh, like fake out move and gets easily picked off. Like Ronald Acuna Jr. is up to bat. You can just stay at second. You'll probably score. And Ronald hits a long single off the wall and I think it was right field. He mm -hmm. would have scored from second had he just waited. And so this whole time, it felt like this whole series, especially as you get to game three, felt like these Braves players, these position players were just pressing a little too much trying to do a little too much because this team hasn't had a five-game losing streak since 2017. That's fascinating. Like, they're the only team that can say that. The longest losing streak they've had has been four games. And so, I know that they won game at a time. They don't panic, all of that stuff. I mean, their, their postseason odds went from 99% to 98% in this <laughs> losing streak. So, it's not like you have to... The, the stakes are super high. But it still yeah. felt like they were all pressing just a little bit. And maybe the victory is enough to kind of reset everybody, give them a chance to kind of rest a little bit. They'll get into Milwaukee early tonight and hopefully be ready to go and focused and locked in tomorrow. Braves fans, we've got a new sponsor at Braves today. Guess what? They're based right here in Atlanta. Huge Braves fans, just like we are. Let me introduce you to Ford Stokes, founder and president of Active Wealth, host of Active Wealth Show on AM 920, The Answer, and author of an incredible book, Annuity 364, wants to give each and every Braves fan an amazing gift. His book, Annuity 360, for free. All you have to do is go to annuity360.net. That's annuity360.net. Submit your contact information. You'll receive a complimentary copy of Ford's book. Incredible opportunity to learn more about protecting and growing your hard-earned wealth. Now, I should mention Ford and his team specialize in helping pre-retirees and retirees ready to invest. They had the expertise to ensure your wealth is well protected and positioned for growth. Ford and his team at Active Wealth are there to help you. By the way, Ford's registered investment advisor, Brookstone Capital Management, they manage over $8.5 billion in assets. That's B B. 
is in billion. To find out more about Active Wealth, you can go to the website, activewealth.com. And if you want to catch up on any of Ford's financial radio shows, you can listen to them anytime at activewealthshow.com. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on the valuable insights that Ford will provide you. Active Wealth Management has multiple offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, Kennesaw, Midtown, and they've just opened a new headquarters off exit 12, Georgia 400. So they are right here close to home. Let them know that we at Braves Today sent you. Chop on and go Braves. All right. So I've given my kudos and I've given my uh, my slap on the wrist to all the position players and what they did at the plate. Now let's dive into this bullpen a little bit. And I understand that there's some injuries, but Atlanta looked absolutely atrocious. And it's almost like you were scared for anybody that they brought in from the outside, from the pen, that they just were not going to do well. Even... In game three, when Iglesias came in, you thought, oh, here we go again. Like, we're going to be in trouble again. And they ended up getting out of it and, of course, gathering that win. But is is this a combination of everything? Is this a combination of injury, a combination of um, being worn out? Because they got all used in that first game. So there were seven pitchers that went to the mound in the first game. And then they tried to go take Morton a probably a little too long in game two took Strider. I don't know if they took him too long in game three. I've told you he's been kind of weird on his outings lately with 10, 11, 12, 13 strikeouts and still giving up maybe one big bomb that he shouldn't. And then they yank him after that. It's almost like they leave him in a pitch too late. Yeah. It, it For Strider, if I'm the coaching staff, after the walk and the hit by pitch to open the seventh inning, it was Corbin Carroll walks, Christian Walker uh, hit by pitch. And the walk wasn't really that competitive. That's probably where I pull him versus leaving him in for the Dominic Canzone three-run home run and the Emmanuel Rivera home run. And I think that's a combination of all those things that you mentioned. If you look right now, Nick Anderson's on the IL. Shoulder injury, 60-day. He's probably not going to make it back except for maybe the postseason. A.J. Minter on the IL with, we thought it was a peck, and they're saying it's a shoulder. So still expected to make it back, but we just don't know when. And then Jesse Chavez still is not back from that shin contusion. So you're down three of your top guys. And then, like you said, you used so many arms on Tuesday. And you used a lot of guys on Wednesday behind Morton as mm -hmm. well. Some high-stress innings. And so it felt like because of the heavy usage, they tried to ride Morton a little bit longer. They tried to ride Strider a little bit longer. And in retrospect, you kind of flew a little close to the sun there. 95-degree day. Strider had already struck out 13. Let's go ahead and given the reliever a clean inning in the seventh inning, it felt like they were trying to get by with just two relievers in game three. And they ended up having to bring a third one out because they brought Heller to finish the seventh, and then mm -hmm. they had to go to Yates in the eighth and Iglesias in the ninth. I don't think this is, quote-unquote, a wake-up call, but I think it is something that no matter what decisions they were looking at making and not knowing the future of Mentor with the peck slash shoulder, um, Allard's out. I mean, he's done. 60 days. I mean, he yeah. ain't coming back. I mean, because even when he comes back, he's going to have to rehab in AAA. And by that time, it's going to be October. They're not going to bring him in for a postseason roster spot. Uh, so is AA looking to make moves? And instead of maybe what he was looking at before, he's definitely focusing on middle relief. And even possibly, told you before we started, not necessarily a closer, but somebody that make a double as a closer that maybe throws – mid to high 90s, and they can at least get an inning out of that may end up turning into a closer if they don't get their ducks in a row before postseason play? It really does feel like Atlanta has has to go out and get a, and get some relief arms now. Uh, you may have been able to get by when you had 
Mentor and Chavez and Anderson, but knowing Anderson's not coming back. Uh, mm -hmm. You do have options when Max Fried is back. You could always put AJ smith Shaver in the bullpen, things like that. But for now, you're going to have to go out and get a guy. And we've been doing a series on, on Bravestoday.com uh, going through some different teams. And I really like where Jake Mastriani went and linked up with the White Sox. Mm -hmm. And he had some stuff there about going out and getting a back-end starter to eat some starts every fifth day during the season, and then going out and getting Joe Kelly. Uh, mm -hmm. A veteran will have a second year of control, but also is that guy who can throw in the upper 90s, who can has that bulldog mentality, can attack hitters, and can play a lot of different roles for you. And and go out and go check out the series. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. There's the Tigers, there's the White mm -hmm. Sox, but it really does feel like this has solidified Atlanta as a buyer of pitching at the deadline. I still don't know how much they're going to give up for a starter, but it feels like inevitable. Atlanta's going to have to get at least one reliever. If not, maybe two arms and one can start and then move to relief for the postseason. And it doesn't get much easier because I'd mentioned the Brewers. Of course, that's going to be no rest days. They're already on a plane. They're going to be headed to Milwaukee, and you're going to be facing another division leading team and because they lead the central right now and uh, and their records not much worse than the Braves I mean they've they, they won 50 plus games so I mean this is a team that you've that that also plays well at home through the Brewers the Brewers all their their fans show up I mean they're a very baseball savvy club uh, a very baseball savvy town I guess I should say so uh, expectations with the Brewers uh, with with Atlanta being right there on the edge because I still think that they could this this weird series that we just went through could have been a sweep by the Braves and instead they lose two or three. So do they take that mentality of, hey, we're there. We're not panicking. So they could go up and take two or three or even sweep the Brewers. Yeah, I think that they can take two out of three. When you look at the Brewers, they've they've I I want to say they've scored three less runs than they've allowed all season. And so they're 54 and 43, but if you do the math, it's coming out to more like a 500 record. It's kind of what they right. should be at. And you set up well when you go because you avoid some of the big guys who are either rehabbing or just pitched. So you face Freddie Peralta, you face Adrian Hauser, you face old friend Julio Tehran. You'd like to yeah. assume Atlanta knows how to attack him, but you don't have to deal with a Corbin Burns. You don't have to deal with a Brandon Woodruff. You avoid some of the big guys there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the whole question becomes... Can you limit the runs, right? You've got Michael Soroka on Friday. You've got Bryce Elder on Sunday. Saturday is a TBD. They have not officially announced who that is yet, but mm. A.J. smith Shavers, uh, the scheduled starter for Gwinnett on Saturday, so it feels like he's the most logical option to be called up to take that start because at this point, you can't throw a bullpen day. You just right. you don't have the arms in the pen to do that without turning over and getting somebody new who can come in and pitch three or four. And if we're going to do that, go ahead and call up smith Shaver and let him take the ball for a couple innings. So uh, the, you don't have your your studs here, right? Freed's not back yet. He has a rehab start on, on Thursday night in Gwinnett. Uh, you don't have Morton. You don't have Strider. Mm. So you've got to keep the runs down, and the offense has to keep going. You hope Austin Riley stays hot this weekend. You also, uh, you, you mentioned the pitching. I mean, you you get Hauser and Tehran, and then – you're going to get Hauser and Tehran again in less than a week because uh, the Brewers now, after you know, after the Boston series were on the road, then uh, Atlanta's going to come back to the friendly confines. And basically, they will face the same pitching and we will face the same pitching that we see in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's 
MLB keeps doing this. They just announced the 2024 schedule as well. And they keep doing this thing where you face a team and then the next week you face them. It's just the opposite location. And it's, mm -hmm. I don't understand why you cram it in so close together and then don't have them visit for the rest of the year. To me, the idea of every team goes to every park feels like you should spread that out a bit. Cause if I'm a, let's say, let's say, you know, I'm a Braves fan. If I want to see Brandon Woodruff and he's rehabbing, and he's not available this weekend, he's probably not going to be back for next right. weekend either. So if you make those games a month apart or something like that, it gives you the ability. It's you have a chance to see guys who may have been hurt, uh, things like that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I, I didn't go. I, I did go one of three, which I got called stupid in the, in the comments uh, on Arizona. So uh, to avoid the stupidity comment again, I'm going to say two or three on the road with the Brewers. Uh, the good news is, is if we go two or three at Milwaukee, I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there for that week later that's going to take place or four days later that's going to take place when they come back to Atlanta. I think Atlanta could possibly even sweep them if they take two or three this time because they're going to face the same people again. Now, with that said, the Brewers also will face the same pitching whenever they come back. However, there's a name that may, we may see when they come back to a friendly confines of Atlanta, and that could be Max Fried, who is going to be working with another rehab start in in uh, in A ball or in Triple A ball. Yeah, so he he has a start on Thursday night, and if the Braves decide that is his last rehab start that he needs, he's scheduled for five innings. We'll see what actually happens in that start, but that would put him on pace to start possibly either. Tuesday or Wednesday against the, the Red Sox on the road. I could see them not having him travel with the team and letting him start back in Atlanta on a full weeks of rest against the Brewers on Friday night. So we don't know if he's going to need a second start or not. They haven't said, but it's within the realm of possibility to think Max Fried might be back as soon as next weekend. And that is just about better than any sort of deadline deal pitcher you could go out and yes. possibly get. And so... That enhances everything for you right there, and it makes the need for a starter to be a lot lower at the deadline, although you still want bullpen arms. I test that they've shown thus far when they've shown free pit. He looks in really good health. He doesn't look to be laboring at all. Uh, it, contrary to when people go, oh, Lindsay, we got 30 pitches. Lindsay, you pointed out last time, after that, he went down to the bullpen and had a full bullpen session afterwards, so he probably had more like 70 pitches than he did 30 pitches. I'm probably going to do the same thing with this rehab start that he has on Thursday night. So it'll be good to see Freed on the bump whenever they come back to Atlanta. I think that'd be a great homecoming gift for the Braves fans, as well as for Freed himself uh, to be able to get back out there and be with his team instead of being a sideline watcher in the dugout like he's been and being a, a glorified cheerleader uh, over these last few weeks. Yeah. And especially given that that's Hank Aaron weekend, a lot of stuff going on that weekend, a lot of alumni in town, things like that. You know he's going to want to kind of represent the program and, and stuff there. Uh, but in the meantime, do want to acknowledge Travis Darno signs a contract extension, yes. sticking around. They've taken, in essence, they've taken the club option for 2024 and turned that into a guarantee. So he is going to, like that is already picked up for 2024 mm -hmm. in essence, and he now has a club option for 2025. The money's exactly the same. Nothing changed for Atlanta other than uh, they now have one additional year of control of him if they choose because they, in essence, just push the option year from next year to the year after. Travis is happy being in Atlanta. We're happy mm -hmm. to have him. Sal Fasano, the catching coach, has said he doesn't want the stud and the defensive backup. He wants two starting caliber catchers. That's what this gives you. Yes. And it's great because you don't really have any well-regarded catching prospects in the system. 
you've moved so many of those guys out in deals to get an Olsen, to get mm-hmm. a Murphy, that uh, this gives you some stability at the position for a few more years. He's Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. I said two of three. You say? Two of three. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll avoid the stupid comments. We shall see. <laughs> He's Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. Braves today, bravestoday.com. Thanks, Lindsey. See you.